everybody. It's Kai. This is Politics Inside Out, this thing we're doing uh, uh, while we figure out what the new Trump administration is going to be all about. Andrea Seabrook, as she always is, is on the other end of the phone. Also with a special guest, Andrea, I will let you introduce him. He's this guy who works for Bloomberg. You might have seen him on TV. You might have seen his work on Bloomberg if you have a terminal or in Bloomberg Business Week. His name is Brendan Greeley, old friend of mine, <sighs> to like, re- you know, to just well. be like and, total. And you can tell who I am because I'll be the one wearing a tie. Oh, yeah, except. That's Wait, for sure. What? Oh, radio <laughs> because... joke. I get it. Okay. All right. Because so, guys, no, no. <laughs> you know, on have, the left coast. Uh, yes. Um, and and I, I could be wearing my jammies. That's the beauty of radio. That's we have totally so true. much to talk about, and I'm going to start with this. It crossed the wires this morning. Sarah Palin's being considered for the— Well, that's not true. She is being rumored to be considered for the Department of Veterans Affairs job. And I just want to get you all's reaction to that before we really start. They're just punking us okay. with that. All right. All right. So we got to move on, seriously, because there's so much to talk about. Today is arguably the biggest economic day in the Trump transition that we've had yet because we have a new secretary of the Treasury late last night. It was or yesterday afternoon, L.A. time. Stephen Mnuchin, uh, former Goldman Sachs partner, uh, hedge fund guy, is going to be the Treasury uh, secretary. And uh, Wilbur Ross, private equity guy, uh, is going to be the secretary of commerce. So very much to talk about with those two. I'm going to start with this. It's a piece of tape from Mnuchin this morning. Um, on CNBC talking about the most important thing that the Trump administration is going to do. It's clip number one. Let's hit it. Our most important priority is sustained economic growth, and I think we can absolutely get to sustained 3 to 4% GDP, and that is absolutely critical for the country. Brendan Greeley discussed 3 to 4% Please. sustained economic Yeah, well, growth. I mean, that's that kind of lowered the bar, right? Trump yeah. was talking about 4%, and then he said with a smile once we could get to 5 We're at 32 right now. So all, we say, all he's saying is, can we take that coast to coast? Can we sit on... 3.2 or maybe even 3.3. Okay, right. but the sustained, Brendan. Right, that's exactly I, How long have right, we been so at I will, 3.2? So I will tell you the problem. A quarter? With, so I I have looked, I've talked to the Tax Foundation, various people who've scored the Trump plan, such mm-hmm. as it is. They've scored what it is that we have. And where we get most of the growth in that scoring is from a new treatment of business assets. When you buy an asset, do you get to depreciate it immediately, uh, reduce it, uh, you know, deduct it from your taxes or, or, or over time, right? So that's where we're getting all of the growth, which means that, and bear with me on this, we are assuming that if businesses mm-hmm. have more money, that they will invest in productive capital. Right. They aren't doing that. Okay, and they, right. and they right haven't now. for years done that. Right. right. So Guys, what's going to change now? I yep. need to stop you for a second and you say, do? like, as the person who does not come from an economic oh, right. journalism background, right. well, I have no idea. No, no, I understand no, 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 no. that I, people the, get to depreciate yep. now over a certain right, amount right, of wait, years. Right, Tell wait, me well, what you're on. talking hold, about. Hold on. Hi. What, what he's talking about, honestly, and Brendan, I hate to do this to your first time on the show. The details yep. of what Brendan just said are not important. The last sentence there is the key part. The Trump yep. administration believes that if businesses have more cash in their pockets, they will spend it on things that will create economic growth like jobs and real capital investment and those kinds of things. What has been happening for the past, I'm going to say five, but it's way longer than that in reality, is the companies have not been doing that. They have been doing stock buybacks. They have been sitting on their money. Apple and its hundreds of billions of dollars in cash, they are not using it for economically productive things. So the Trump administration is betting now that American companies are going to change their minds. Much as I might add, American voters seem to believe that Donald Trump is going to change the way he is at the age of 70. 
I can tell you all economic formulas for growth, economic growth. We're talking about GDP, right? They rely on three things. They have for years the size of the labor force, the existence of new technology, and investments from businesses in productive capital. Those are the three elements, right? So right now in the U.S., we have a declining labor force, right? We have low labor force yep. participation, and people can't quite tick, figure out why. Tick, tick, tick. No, she, she's and giving you on the 30-second timer. I understand exactly right. what's going on. Right. On top of that, <laughs> on top of that, companies are not investing in new capital, new plants, new equipment. Let, let me take us sideways for just a second and, and detour into the world of tomorrow. Uh, speaking of technology and corporate investment, uh, Donald Trump is going to go to Indianapolis, where he and the sitting governor of Indiana his vice president-elect, are going to make an announcement about Carrier and how the vice president, uh, as the governor and the president-elect, have negotiated a deal to save a 1,000 jobs of the 1,400 the Carrier was going to take um, to Mexico. We have no details on this. We don't know uh, who's paying who. We don't know what is being given or taken away, any of that jazz. Talk to me for a second, Brendan, about the reality of negotiating on a company-by-company basis, it looks like, because remember he did Ford a couple of weeks ago, um, to deliver on his promise of jobs staying in America. Yeah, look, I think the way to think about this is it's not unprecedented, but as with everything with Trump, it's just bigger than anybody has imagined it before, right? So uh, governors do this, right? Rick Perry made a habit in Texas of using tax inducements to get companies to come to, to, to Texas, and companies had lots of reasons to go to Texas, right? There's an educated workforce. There are lots of cultural things in, in Dallas, and there are. Don't laugh about that in Houston as well now. <laughs> I'm a Fort Worth right? guy, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, right, but they, you know, they, they've got access to the right infrastructure, right? There are good reasons to move there, but he would give them a tax inducement, and he would call them personally and try to close the deal. And then he got an event, a press release, where it says, Governor Perry brings more jobs to the state, right? The problem with that is it's not really how you create jobs. Mm-hmm. The way you create jobs is by creating an economy that allows new companies to start. It's small, new companies that create all the jobs, not companies moving in out of state. So now you have this on a grand scale where you're making these deals. I mean, is that their policy? And Mnuchin this morning said that may be what their policy is, is that they may be making deals one by one with but, but, but companies. That, that How do you do that? Be. That's, that's insanity. Andrea, right? Come on. Here's what I'm understanding, that there is a big difference, that, that basically people who say they're stimulating the economy or, or businesses who say that are often self-dealing more than they are yeah. actually stimulating jobs. Am I, am I wrong? Is that what you're no, actually no, saying, th- th- like, on th- the big picture? I, I think you're right, but I think, I think you know, he's winning the optics game on this self-dealing thing, right? I mean, and How long does that How long I does that don't work? know. I mean, it works indefinitely. There's a whole school of economic thought called public choice theory. James Buchanan won the Nobel for it in 1986. That wow. Show off. Show off. As I adjust my tie, I will tell you... <laughs> <laughs> I happen I happen to have looked this up yesterday. But here's the deal, right? So public choice theory basically says we're not talking about criminal activity. We're talking about the basic assumption that everyone in government is an economic actor, just like everybody in markets. There's no such thing as the common wheel. There's no such thing as the public good. People in government yeah. do things for the same yeah. reasons that people in yeah. markets do them, right? Yeah. So it's very clear to see what's going on here. I think this transaction was a chit to be 
redeemed in the future. Markets don't really see anything good or bad for Carrier or, or United Technologies. They basically see this as a big nothing burger, and yeah. they're right. So Carrier got a chit to be redeemed in the future, and what Donald Trump gets is something that goes to him yeah. personally. And, he and gets a press release and a campaign event. And let's remember, and this is a terrible thing to say, and I will get comments on this, but it's a thousand lousy jobs. Actually, it's a thousand good jobs, but it's a lousy thousand jobs in an economic workforce, a labor force of like 156 million people. Right. And Someone do the percentages for me. Yeah, minuscule. All right, uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep on going. I want I want to talk I want to talk trade. This is Wilbur Ross uh, this morning talking about. Uh, they got into a whole discussion of TPP, which of yeah. course is is the other big thing. One of the other big economic things the president elect talked about. It's um, number nine, you guys. Yeah, the problem with with regional trade agreements is you get picked apart by the first country, then you negotiate with the second country, you get picked apart. You go with the third one, you get picked apart again. What has to be put into perspective, we are the big market. We are the world's biggest importer. We need to treat the other countries as good suppliers, not as determining the whole show. So what he is saying there, and and he explicitly said this elsewhere in the piece, is we're going to do a bunch of uh, bilateral trade agreements. This whole idea of regional trade deals is dead at a time when regional trade deals are the way the global economy works. Okay, so my my thought is that politically, the TPP is the biggest loss the Democrats and progressives will ever feel or will feel in the next couple of years. These are, you know, when I was at the Democratic convention and I watched all of the Bernie Sanders delegates gather, I mean, I'm talking thousands and thousands of people holding up signs saying, you know, that said TPP with a big, you know, red circle and a cross through it. I thought to myself, I don't think these people realize that this was the best chance they have had ever to enforce labor standards and environmental standards across international boundaries. Now, I I will not be an apologist for, you know, I know there are all kinds of problems with it. But but listen, this is a classic case of uh, of making the good the enemy of the perfect. Other way around. Perfect the enemy of the good. Perfect the enemy of the good. I think the sorry. Democrats. Thank you. Sorry. I think the Democrats have only themselves to blame on this, which is that you're right, but you're half of the right that needs to be said. The other huh. is every time Democrats have passed a trade deal, NAFTA, or any time either mm-hmm. Democrats or yeah. Republicans, yeah. Democrats have insisted on a token amount of trade adjustment insurance or, or trade adjustment programs. Right? These are this is tiny, money, tiny, 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 yeah, it's, tiny it's, amounts. It's money right? that's meant to help people adjust to the loss of their jobs and get them training and all this stuff. No, it's well. I mean, yes, that's what it's meant to right. be. But what it actually functions as is vote adjustment right. insurance. Right. You see, you <laughs> right. Can, that's exactly. You right. can <laughs> point to this thing, and Democrats vote for it. It does nothing, right? And I've talked to the people who qualify for these programs and are trying to make things work. And for example, they don't have health insurance, and so yep. they can't retrain. So they take jobs that pay less. The problem that Democrats and they have only themselves to blame on this is that they could have kicked harder in 1992. They could have kicked harder in 2003, in 2010. They could have done it in the past, where they worked harder to say, "Okay, we're going to." do this thing exactly as Andy says, better labor standards, higher GDP, all these things are true, but we are actually going to do something about those areas that are affected by trade. North Carolina, Providence, southeastern Ohio, right? They did nothing. And so it's great that the Bernie people are uh, are up in arms about this, right? But where were they in 1992? Right. Totally. Not born yet. It, 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 you know, that actually goes to a great piece I read the other day, which basically says Democrats don't know how to lose. I don't know if you guys saw this. The the idea being 
Don't don't make nice nice when you lose and say, gosh, shucks, we really tried. But uh-huh. go kicking and screaming, man, and okay. push back yeah. and all this stuff, right? They don't know how to win. Yeah, they're not a win either. I mean, that's a whole different am thing. I right? Okay, so let me frame that then as we bring this discussion to a close because I got a meeting with my boss. Frame this in for me. No, both of you. And, and Brendan, you get to go second because uh, yep. you're the guest here. Frame this in <laughs> terms of our uh, um, um, conceit here, this idea of politics inside out. We now have Republican outsiders on the yep. inside, right, yep. Donald Trump and his whole gang, but stocking it with Republican insiders and Democrats very much on the outside. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I think there is I think there are changes coming that it could actually make Congress work a little bit better. And because of the insiderness, Mm -hmm. frankly, uh, because I think there will be Republicans who have the power to insist on regular order in the House and Senate. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the gobbledygook of this. But I will say that it is, frankly, shocking and and fascinating to me that a man who won because he wasn't from Washington, frankly, he had never run for political office in his life. And he won the presidency of the United States. And I think elected for that, I think that's the one mandate you can basically Mm. say he has, is stocking his cabinet, all of his advisors, with people who know Washington inside out and have been here forever. Brendan? I think that the Republicans and Donald Trump are going to win on this one, hmm. which is there have been hmm. a lot of things that both sides have known for a long time that would create economic growth. Simplifying the corporate tax code is one of them. Mm. Infrastructure spending is the other one. Republicans want these things as much as Democrats do, but they cannot give a Democrat in the White House a win. Oh, that's so true. And hmm. so now all that's of a sudden so they can Jesus. give that <laughs> – no, it is, right? I mean, you know, AKA it, it is true, true and cynical. Yeah. They, they play this game better. Yep. They play this yep. game really well, right? So now, all of a sudden, there there's a Republican in the White House. It doesn't matter what kind of Republican he is. It's very clear early on in the summer that Paul Ryan signed on for this. You can say whatever you want, Donald Trump, as long as I get my tax cuts. It's yep. going to happen. There's going to be a revamp of the corporate tax code. They're going to broaden the base. They're going to lower the rates. They're going to change the depreciation schedules. All of this creates growth. They're going to. There's going to be some kind of infrastructure spend. We don't know the details yet, but it's going to happen. And they're going to get something out of this. Everybody's going to look back in two years. They're going to say, wow, we are at a sustained 3.5%. Great job, Republicans. Wow. You know what I think the most important thing is that Brendan just said? No, please, last thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most important thing he said was, we don't know the details yet (laughs) because it applies to everything. All right. We uh, we got to go. Hit us up on Twitter. So do a couple of things for me, those of you who are listening to this thing. Number one is subscribe in iTunes, please, because that stuff matters. Leave us a review. Love us. Hate us. uh, But, you know, just say something to us. Um, And hit us up on Twitter. She's at Radio Babe. I'm at Kai Rizdahl. Brendan Greeley is at uh, BH Greeley on Twitter. Also, by the way, what the hell is that Twitter picture you have up there, man? What is that? Oh, that's that's me imitating Tony Blair's Christmas card from two years ago. All right. Well, might I say? Dork, 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 Um, dork. uh, All right. We got to go. Bye. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye.